But many of us have words that people said to us a long, long time ago that have stuck uh, in our hearts. And what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about the power of the tongue. Uh, the power of the tongue and what the tongue can actually do. James uh, <clears throat> is a little bit merciless when he deals with a topic. And when he takes this topic of the tongue uh, in chapter 3, he goes through it and he roasts the reader. Now, you know what? That's a good thing. We need a roasting on this issue from time to time. Because we forget how much damage our tongues can do. You know, if you went around with a handgun uh, in here all the time, you'd be very careful of your handgun. Because it's a very dangerous thing. You, you wouldn't leave your handgun uh, sitting by the couch at home because, you know what, somebody might pick it up and shoot somebody with it. You'd be very careful uh, about your handgun. But you know what, your tongue is a more formidable weapon than a gun. And we can be very loose with our tongues and with the things that we say, we say with our tongues, right? <clears throat> Let's read the, read the whole chapter and then... <clears throat> We'll dig into our topic, right? My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also uh, to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about the whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Uh, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things on the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, uh, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so, so to be. Doth a fountain send forth in the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteous, uh, fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Father, would you bless your word to us, Lord? Lord, we thank you for it. Uh, thank you for having it penned and put in Scripture. Uh, Lord, we need it. Help us to get our minds and our hearts around it now, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In 1923 and 24, um, a man, a convict in a German prison, uh, began to dictate to one of the other prisoners some writings that he wanted put down. And um, over, over a two-year period, he, he dictated. It wasn't very well written. Uh, there were long, rambling sentences involved in it. Uh, the book was named eventually Mein Kampf, My Struggle. It was written by Adolf Hitler. And within 20 years... Every word in the book would have cost 125 lives. Words have power. 
They have huge power. They have an ability to actually uh, change things around us. They have an ability to do great damage. And we need to understand, my words do too. Right? I'm not Adolf Hitler, maybe, but you know what? My words have power. Your words have power. You can say things and they have power. Uh, they impact uh, people's lives. Uh, first thing we're looking at is your, your tongue reveals your spiritual condition. If you go to the doctor, you know, very likely, and the doctor's giving you a test, he's going to ask you to put your tongue out. Uh, he's going to examine your tongue. He's going to look at your throat, and he's going to find out some things about you. It's going to be an indicator of your health for him, right? Do you know that your tongue is an indicator of where you are spiritually. Uh, your tongue is actually going to be an indication. You, you, know, you can say, no, 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 I'm spiritual. But if your tongue is not under control, you're not. That's what the verse is saying. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. So that if we can't actually bridle the tongue, if we can't actually control our tongue, what we find is that you know, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. Now, we'll catch that again as we look at later in the chapter. Matthew 15, verse 18 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Now, do you know that your words come from your heart, ultimately? Now, I'll tell you what we try and do. We try and put a guard on what actually comes out without dealing with what's in the heart. And you know what happens when you do that? The heart eventually betrays itself anyway. It comes out. If we're going to deal with the tongue, we're going to have to deal with the heart. The heart is the issue that's going to have to be dealt with. Uh, We need to understand that, you know, if we're going to be mature believers, if we're going to be people who are truly and rightly relating to God, we need to deal with the tongue. The tongue tongue is a big issue. Uh, The the tongue is something that's going to actually uh, affect our spirituality and affect other people too. And James goes after it in no uncertain terms, right? Um, he tells us that our tongue has great power. And he gives us three illustrations. He'll give us more illustrations as well, but he gives us three illustrations to illustrate the power of the tongue. First of all, he says, it's like a bit for a horse's mouth. Now, a horse is incredible creatures, right? Uh, a horse will weigh maybe <coughs> 500 pounds, maybe 600 pounds, some of them. They are big creatures. A horse has enough power in his neck that when he snaps his neck, if you're holding the reins, he can lift you and throw you. He's got that kind of power uh, in his neck. They they, they, they are powerful creatures. But do you know a little 100-pound girl can sit on a horse's back and control him with a little six-inch piece of metal in his mouth? Because when she yanks on it this way, he goes this way because he doesn't want the pain. And when she yanks on it the other way, uh, he goes the other way because he doesn't want the pain. So this tiny little piece of metal can control the horse. Your tongue uh, is something that is powerful like that. It can control things, <clears throat> like a ship's rudder. You know, you can have, uh, our, our Bible calls it the helm, but you, you can have, you know, this huge ship crossing the ocean. It's able to face the wind. It's able to face the waves. Uh, it's able to face all of that. But you have the helmsman there, and what he's doing is he's, he's guiding it wherever he wants it to go. And what he's doing is he's turning a wheel that, a wheel that turns it a rudder at the back, and it's just directing where the ship goes. It's only small, but it's got huge power. And then he talks about <clears throat> um, like, a, like a fire. Now, <clears throat> um, you can kindle a great fire with just one spark, with one flame. 
They, they say, uh, the Great Fire of Chicago, uh, 100,000 people were left homeless. 17,500 buildings were destroyed. Millions in that day, but billions it will be in our day, <clears throat> of damage was caused. And, and, and all happened on October the 8th in 1871 at 8.30 p.m. when a cow in Mrs. O'Leary's farm kicked over a lantern. And the lantern started a fire, and the fire almost burned the whole city of Chicago to the ground. You see, a little fire can cause huge damage. Your tongue can cause huge damage. And the thing about the fire is, you know, once the, once the fire is started, you know what, it's just doing its damage. Once you say the words, they just tend to do their damage. They just tend to go. They can be repeated, they can be passed on, they can stick in people's minds, um, but they continue on doing their damage. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and li- life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can actually create life and you can create death uh, by the power of a tongue. Of your tongue. The words you say can actually create death and create life. Some of you know Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter, Carpenter was the sister in a group called the Carpenters, and they were quite famous. She died at the age of 32. Now, it was a tragedy a long time ago. I think it was in the 70s that she died. But she died at the age of uh, 32. And she died from a massive heart attack that was caused by anorexia that she had been she had been battling with anorexia, anorexia for years they did an expose on her life recently and they actually found out where her anorexia nervosa started one of the writers that was actually critiquing their group called her the chubby sister of richard and it went in for her and it started a battle that ultimately cost her her life now that writer's never going to go to prison for taking somebody's life. But you know, there's a very real sense in which he's responsible. And the thing about our words is our words can take a long time to actually take impact and to have an impact on somebody. But our words can impact. They can cause great damage in people's lives. Now, <clears throat> your words can cause impact for bad, and your words can cause impact for good. But we need to be careful when we're using our words because... You know, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're actually putting out there things there that have life. There's power in them. You know, it's interesting. When God created the world, what did he use? Words. You know, if I was creating a world, I would go to my carpenter shop and do something. Isn't that what you would do? God didn't do that. He, he used words. And our whole, everything in our universe started with words. Words are powerful things. They are not the, 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 the no-power things that we think they are. They are powerful things. They actually have impact. Uh, they cause things to happen. Now, number three, your tongue can show your hypocrisy. Now, this is James. James doesn't, does, does, doesn't hold any punches. Uh, he can actually, uh, <clears throat> he, he actually lays it out for us uh, the way he sees it without sparing anyone's feelings. Look what he says. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Have you go to a fountain and the, uh, uh, and the fountain is poisoned water in it? Are you going to say, well, no, the, some, of, some of the water is not poisoned? No, it's all poisoned. 
If there's poison water in the, in the fountain, it's all poisoned and you're not drinking it. It's, it's impossible for the fountain to have both coming from it. He says, listen, you can't have a tongue that speaks good things on one hand and then speaks bad things on the other hand. Uh, he says, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can now fountain both yield salt water and fresh. It's impossible. That doesn't happen. Uh, that's not the way it works. Uh, your, your, your tongue can't uh, <clears throat> produce salt water. Or, sorry, a fountain can't produce salt water and fresh. Your tongue can't produce good things and bad things as well. Now, we've just finished singing the Lord's praises, and we'll sing the Lord's praises before we go today, won't we? And that's, that's good. Uh, that's a good thing for us to do, for us to sing his praises. But you know what? Before lunchtime... Some of us will have defiled our tongues by saying things that should not be said. By saying things that hurt and cut and bruise. By saying things that do not honor God and do not help people. Before lunchtime, we'll have done it. And what that's talking about, what, what, what James is saying to us there is the idea is, then that's, that shouldn't be so. You're going to praise God on the one hand, and on the other hand, you're going to shred people with your tongue. And we can turn from one to the other Without hardly thinking, can't we? And you know what that reveals? That reveals a hypocritical heart for us. Because the heart is the issue that we're dealing with here. The heart is the issue that's actually... You see, we can control it because we're in church and we'll say nice things and we'll, and we'll sing nice things and uh, we'll use nice words. But later on we can go home we can shred everything. By the way, <laughs> let me warn you about this with your kids, right? Um, it's easy for parents uh, to be nice to other adults who count, isn't it? You have to kind of be, because they would think you were uh, pretty rotten if you didn't. So you you got to speak nice words to, to other adults. But if you speak nice words to adults and your kids watch you speaking nice words to adults, and then you go home and you shred them, what do your kids make of that? How do your kids deal with that? They actually see the hypocrisy. If you think about it, you can remember somebody, uh, an adult around you doing that, and you know what? It just floored you. You know, <clears throat> what you end up thinking is you end up thinking, you know, yeah, he's, he's putting on a nice face for you, but look what he really is when he comes home. And what, what happens there is you undermine your credibility with your kids completely. Now, kids cop so much of our expressed anger because they can't defend themselves. You know, they, you know they, 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 they can't put up a fight. And we, um, we're, we're not all that concerned about what they think about us at the time. But that's not right. That's not reasonable. And what you're doing is you're undermining. And don't be surprised that, that there comes a day when they don't want to listen to you because, you know what, they've heard you shredding uh, <clears throat> uh, other people. They've heard you shredding them. And, and you know what, they, they, they don't have time to listen to you when it comes down to it. You see, if, if, if you're going to be a Christian, be a believer, James is saying, and you're going to love God, and you're going to sing His praises, then what you're going to do is you're going to sing His praises, and you're going to use good words when you're in church, when you're around church people, and you're going to do the same when you're not. That your tongue needs to be under control. That the things that come out of your mouth are going to be a, a major issue. You see, children, <clears throat> children are little people, and sometimes we forget that. And they actually think. And when they're very young, they're kind of very moldable. But after a while, they begin to add two and two together, and they can come to the place where, you know what? The words you use against them, they're not happy with. And they will reject you and what you're saying because of the words that you use with them. Listen, you may have to reprimand your kids. You may have to deal with them. But you know what? You can deal with it kindly and respectfully. 
You can deal with it in a way that honors God and honors them. And, and by the way, you can be quite strong in dealing with a child. But you know what? You need to be careful that they don't look at you and say, hang on a minute. He can speak nice to people when he's in church. And when he comes home, he can shred me. And that's okay. Something's wrong here. Something is wrong here. And your child loses confidence in you. What you're displaying is, you're displaying hypocrisy. Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. From the mouth comes what's in the heart, okay? Um, <clears throat> your tongue can be used for good, and it can be used for bad. Uh, verse 14 through 16, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now, what's that saying to us? You know, you, here's the thing. If you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, it's going to ultimately come out in your speech somewhere. Someone's going to get it. Someone's going to cop it. You know, you can't keep it in. You can put the good face on, but unless you deal with what's in the heart, you're in trouble. So he says, don't lie to yourself. If you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, deal with it. Now, why do we have bitter envying and strife in our heart? Why would we envy somebody else? Because we don't think God's fair, do we? God gives them more than he gives us. God gives them things that we want. God lets them get away with stuff that he doesn't let us get away with. And really, ultimately, all our bitterness uh, is, faced, is based on God. God can do what he likes. Well, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? God is quite entitled in his world to give somebody what he wants to give them and to give you much less. To give somebody blessing and to give you trouble. God's quite entitled to do that if he wants to. And you've got to accept that he's doing By the way, I do believe that God takes and God deals with everybody. But when you're looking from your little paradigm, it will look very often as though God has given them the good stuff and you're getting the rough stuff. And, you know, we can have bitter envying towards people. We can look at people and think it's not fair. And when there's bitterness in our hearts, you know what, that's a problem. Don't lie to yourself about it. You know, don't put it off on the other person. When there's bitter envying there and strife in your heart, don't glory in it and don't lie about it. Uh, <clears throat> this wisdom, he says, descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Ooh, that's strong words. James is not afraid of strong words. He's not afraid to use strong words in a right way. And um, <clears throat> if you let them in, they can kind of scorch you, right? Uh, because what we'll try and do is we'll try and justify bitter envying and strife in our hearts. And he says, no, don't do that. that. That's not from God. Don't you think that's from God for a minute? Don't you pretend that's from God for, for a minute? That's not so. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish, he says. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And, you know, <clears throat> what we need to understand is that, you know, from our mouths come words that indicate what's going on in our hearts. And then what we find is we find strife in our lives and we find confusion and we find evil work in our lives and we're wondering, what happened? You know what? Your words created it. Your words created it. Your words created it. And your heart created your words. And if you're going to deal with the situation, you're going to have to deal with the words. But in order to deal with the words, you're going to have to deal with the heart. You've got to get that straightened out. You've got to get that dealt with. There's no way that you can actually uh, get it straightened out and get it right apart from you dealing with the issue that's on the inside. You see, Christianity is not about us painting on a face 
and pretending we're something we're not. That's religion. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ that has me yielded to the Spirit of God so that he's at work in my life. And if he's going to be at work in my life, he's going to be controlling my heart. And he's going to be controlling my, my heart's going to be controlling my words. So I'm going to be in a place, you know, where what happens is because Christ is in control in my life, you know what, there's an integrity, there's a truth about me. What's going on in my heart, what's coming out of my words, is going to be the same. It's going to be, there won't be this hypocrisy that, uh, that, that James is talking about, right? <clears throat> so your tongue can be used for good or it can be used for bad. In this sense here, he's talking about using it for bad. Verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Right? Let's go through it. Uh, it, it it's, it's pure. Right? Pure in the idea is, listen, there's it's not a selfish motive involved in it. It's, it's peaceable. You know, isn't it amazing that when we interact with each other in, in a peaceable way, you know, we accomplish lots. You know, when you deal with your kids in a peaceable way, you can actually get so much more from them than you would get if you go at them in an aggressive way. Now, I, I am not. I'm all for spanking kids when they need it, right? I am all for that. I but, but if your relationship with your kids is one of aggression, you know what? What you've got is you've got fist fighting fist and nothing's happening. Right? It needs to be peaceful. It needs to be gentle. It needs to be easy to be entreated. What does it mean to be easy to be entreated? Easy to be persuaded. Easy for somebody to reason with you and say, now, hang on a minute, what do you think of this? Well, <clears throat> what do you think of this way of doing it? What do you think of this way of looking at it? It needs to be easy to be entreated. Right? Are you easy to be entreated? Uh, are you full of mercy? <clears throat> What's mercy? Well, mercy is you not giving people what they deserve, but rather giving them mercy. Mercy is you wanting the best for somebody and being willing to kind of overlook things that you could maybe take them to count on, but you're, uh, you want to be merciful. Uh, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You see, if we've got that kind of a heart... What we're going to have is we're going to have a tongue that expresses that kind of a heart. And it's not a tongue that expresses that kind of a heart in church and doesn't express it at home. It's not a tongue that expresses that kind in the workplace when you're talking to the boss and turns around then and kind of tears into the people that don't, don't count. It's a tongue that's got a right heart and it's always showing a right heart. It's always displaying a right heart. Right? Uh, let me just remind you of verse 1, verse 2, what it says. Uh, <clears throat> For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. You know, if you were to have a litmus tester of your spirituality, you could stick it legitimately on your tongue. You could use your words to check where your spirituality is because your spirituality is going to show up in the words that you use. Where you really are with God is going to show up in those words. And you see, we live in a world that tells us, you know what? it's wise for you not to use words that tear people down. And we try that, but without dealing with the heart, we're going to find, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And our tongues can run. And we can say things, we can say things and not even pay any attention to them and find somebody else is cut and wounded and dealing with the words that we've, uh, we've said and dealing with them long term. <clears throat> um, well, let, me, let me give you some help. As far as, as far as your tongue is concerned, right? First of all, you won't be able to control your tongue. 
by yourself. It's not possible, right? What the Bible says is the tongue is set afire. All the beasts can be, can be tamed, but the tongue? No man can tame. You know what you need? You need to yield yourself to the Spirit of God for your tongue to actually be tamed, for your tongue to be in the place where it can be actually used of God and not do damage and not cause trouble. You need your tongue to come to the place where, <clears throat> where it's actually yielded to God. So here's what you need to do. Before you speak... You need to think. You say, that sounds like a lot of work, Pastor. I remember one woman saying to me, she was so upset with her husband, and um, she had said something, he was annoyed with her, and she said this to me. She says, you know what, you'd have to take your words out and examine them before you use them. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. You know, to take your words out and examine to think before you use the words, right? Uh, um, this... Uh, Alan Redpath was a great revival preacher. He was in a church one time. The church was in trouble. There was difficulty in the church. And he actually brought this to the church, and they made a covenant with each other. Because there was so much trouble in the church, and there was so much infighting and bickering going on in the church, they made a covenant with each other that they would actually use this little uh, acrostic, right? So think before you speak, right? First of all, is it true? Is it very easy for us to say things that are not true? Or that we're not sure are true. Or that, you know, um, there are summation of the situation. Can't we all become wonderfully uh, able to examine what's going on in other people's hearts? And we know what's going on in their hearts. And then based upon the wisdom that we have, that we know about somebody else, we take and we pronounce something as true that may have no truth to it at all. Because we don't know what somebody else is thinking. We really don't. Is it true? Now, when you say something to somebody, you say, well, you know, such and such. You know what? I am pretty sure he stole such and such. Right? What is that person here? He's a thief. That's what they hear. You know, they don't go, well, he wasn't entirely sure. They'll take it up as he's a thief. Now, when they pass it on, they they don't even say they're pretty sure of it. You ever guess what I heard? Your man is a thief. He stole such and such. And now what happens is the words take life of their own. And now somebody's developed a reputation because of your intuition. And you know. So you don't know. You know, if, if somebody's done something wrong, there's a way of you finding out. You go to them and you ask them. That's the biblical way, isn't it? Listen. I think I saw this. Can you help me here? And you go to them, but don't pass off stuff that's not true as though it's true. Don't take your brother and malign your brother. Don't take your brother and cut down your brother who's made in the similitude of God. Don't, don't just, if it's not true, you know what? It doesn't need to be said. You say, but hang on a minute, Pastor. That's going to kill the conversation sometimes. Maybe the conversation needs to die sometimes. Maybe the conversation needs to be in the place where it's killed. Secondly, uh, is it helpful? Okay, if I'm going to say this, is it going to be helpful to this person? Is it going to actually help them? Are they going to be bettered by it? it? Are they going to be benefited by it? Now, when somebody gossips, here's what they do, right? Uh, They speak words that they want to pass on information because they're getting a buzz out of it and they're expecting the other person to get a buzz out of it too. (laughs) 
right? Sometimes it is just not helpful for you to pass it on at all. You know, sometimes you shouldn't have heard it. You know, the Bible says a stern face turns away a backbiting tongue. So somebody comes to you with something uh, that's not helpful, and what you do is you just kill it dead there and then. There's lots of ways of killing it dead. <clears throat> you know, somebody can tell you something. Um, <clears throat> when somebody says this to you, that I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want you to tell another soul. Right? <laughs> say no thanks. Now why? Because listen, what, what, say, what they're saying is they don't want to be quoted on it. They don't want to be quoted on this. And you know what? When somebody comes to you and passes some information along to you, you're well within your rights to say to them, okay, i tell you what. Listen, you tell me, and then we'll go to him, and we'll talk to him about it. And very often what the person will say is, um, I don't think that would be a good idea. Well, then don't tell me. I don't want to know. If it's just going to be gossip, uh, that's information about somebody else that's not helpful, I, I, I don't want it. I don't want to know something about somebody that can't be verified and, and, and they can't be helped with. What good is that to me? If I can't go to somebody and, and, and help them with it, and I'm just going to be left with this thought lodged in my mind, you know, this person is probably uh, <clears throat> such and such, uh, but I can't actually do anything about it. Goodness, I don't want that kind of information. That, that's kind of hard. Uh, that, that's a burden to bear. Is, is it helpful? Right? <clears throat> if you're going to say it, is it going to be helpful? Who's it going to help? If it's just going to make you feel good, that doesn't count. Is it helpful? Secondly, is it inspiring? Right? Or does it just tear down? Is it inspiring? Or does it just tear down? Listen, don't, don't, you know, don't, if you're going to pass on stuff, we live in such a bad news world, don't we? We live in such a world where there's so many bad things going on. The news is firing stuff at us all the time. And uh, people are firing stuff at us all the time. And, you know, you, you almost dread sometimes answering the phone, don't you? Oh, no. What is it now? More bad news, right? Listen, is it inspiring? You know, uh, if we just let our words be inspiring. By the way, could you back that up biblically? You sure could. Look at, look at um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29. <coughs> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Do you know that when you communicate in such a way that somebody else is not edified, but they're torn down, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? That's what that verse is saying. Now, I tell you what, that would make you take your words out and examine them, wouldn't it? And I mean, how many times have you been walking close to the Lord and you said something that was rotten and instantly you knew? You weren't there. He wasn't there. He was grieved. He was upset with you. That's what happens. And, and when it happens enough times in your life, you know what? You don't even notice that he's not there. But if you want the Spirit of God to be alive in your life, you need to be careful of your words. He'd use inspiring words. You need to use words that are going to lift people up and encourage them, that are going to help them. You always need to use words like that. Second, is it necessary? Do I need to pass this on? You know, for, for those of you that love gossip, right? 
Uh, there's, there's so much juicy gossip out there, isn't it? Now, you don't know whether it's true or not, but it's, man, it's juicy. Man, it's, man, it's the goods on somebody. And uh, there's, there's nothing you love more than passing on the goods on somebody else. Now, even if it was true, is it necessary for you to pass it on? Is it necessary for you to bring it to light? Listen, there's a way for people to bring things to light, isn't there? Listen, somebody, somebody who's, got a, who's got a sin problem against you, they can come and they can deal with it one-on-one. Biblical way. Remember, remember the, 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 the three ways the Bible gives us for dealing with a problem, right? You've got a problem with somebody, you go deal with them. They won't hear it, you take somebody else's witness and you go deal with it again. And if they won't hear the witness, then what happens is it comes before the church and the church decides on the issue. But, you know, this thing of going around and telling 45 people before you actually tell the person because they wouldn't listen to you, if you're not going to tell the person, don't tell anyone. Don't, tell, don't pass it on. Just, just keep it quiet. It's not necessary for you to pass it on. It's not helpful. It's not necessary. It's definitely not going to be inspiring. Don't pass it on. And then, <clears throat> is it kind? You know, can you, can, you, can you actually say something kind? But you say, well, Pastor, that's kind of limiting me. Yeah, it would be limiting us, wouldn't it? If we were to actually take that, as it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? We'd be limited in what we said. But you know what? It would be very good for us. It would be very helpful for us if we would actually limit ourselves by, um, by that way. Because what we would find is we would find that <clears throat> our tongues were being used for good and not for bad. Our tongues were being used to help and not to hinder. And that's what God wants you to use your tongue for. He wants you to use your tongue as a help, as a blessing, as something that uplifts, and not as something that wounds and cuts and tears down. And that's not our nature. Remember, the right thing is never our nature. Our nature is always the wrong. Our sin nature is always the wrong. But when we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, I want to honor you with everything I say. Put a guard on my mouth, Lord. Or I want to say anything that's going to hinder or tear down or hurt. hurt. I, I want to say things that are true, things that are helpful, things that are inspiring, things that are necessary, things that are kind. Lord, those are the only things I want to say. Lord, Lord would you help me? Lord, I can't tame my tongue. It's way too powerful for me, but Lord, I'm asking you. I'm yielding to you. You know what I find? I find the Spirit of God is very faithful to do what you ask him to do. I'll tell you what I'll do. He will prompt you. The next time you're going to say something wrong, he will say, don't say that. And sometimes you'll be, have your mouth open and you'll be in mid-sentence and he'll say no. And you've and you got to close your mouth. Right? And you know what? After you do that a few times, uh, you kind of get to the place where you're, you're not even willing to go to the place where your mouth is open on those things. And just draw it back. Don't say it. Don't use your tongue as a weapon to tear down. You see, <clears throat> that's what he's saying. Your tongue is a weapon. God doesn't intend for it to be a weapon. He intends it to be something that builds up, that does good, and that helps. Don't let your tongue uh, be a weapon that's used. Let your tongue be controlled by the Spirit of God that you might be used of the Spirit of God to build up and bless. Let me just close with one area, right? <clears throat> you could use your tongue for witnessing a lot more than you can use your tongue uh, in a bad way. 
And you have no idea what happens when you use your tongue to witness the power of God and the saving blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Edward Kimball was just a Sunday school teacher, just like many of you here. He was just a guy who went in and opened his Bible and taught kids a Sunday school class. And the Spirit of God put a burden on his heart. And he went down to a shoe shop in Boston and he waited while a young man, for a young man to get his break, he was in his Sunday school class and the Spirit of God had put a burden on him and he talked to that young man and led him to the Lord. That young man was D.L. Moody. And the impact of D.L. Moody's life continues to this day in souls that are being saved by people that he led to the Lord. He led over a million souls to the Lord in his lifetime. But you know what? A Sunday school teacher used his tongue for good under the power of the Spirit of God and witnessed to a young boy and saw God do something great. Think if we controlled our tongues, God might take and use it for something like that. Do you think the person who leads the next day on Moody to the Lord could be in this room? Why not? Why couldn't it be you? Kimball was nothing great, and he knew it. He was just an obedient servant of the Spirit of God. Our tongues are great things. We can use them very badly. Or we can use them well. Let it be controlled by the Spirit of God and let Him have His way. And let Him use you in His power to reach people. Let's stand for prayer. Before we pray, let me ask you just, <clears throat> with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you two questions, right? First of all, you're here and you need to be saved. You know that you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not sure, but you'd like someone to take the Bible and show you how. And by the way, you'll never get control of your tongue in the power of the flesh. If you're going to get control of your tongue, the first thing you'll need to do is be saved, be born again. But you're here this morning and you're not born again, and you'd like someone to take the Bible and show you. Would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Anybody here who says, I'm not, I, I need to be born again. Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? All right, now, one other question for you. Would you be gracious enough and honest enough with God right now to admit with him, listen, that message was for me. There was something there that I needed. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to put it in action. I'm going to do it. I'm not asking you what exactly it was, but I'm asking you to say, Lord, there's something there for me. I need it. Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Amen. 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 See those hands. Amen. 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 You can put them down. Father, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We thank you for helping us, Lord. We thank you for showing us your way, a better way. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, Lord, nobody in this room is able to actually do it. Lord, we depend upon you. Blessed Spirit, would you work in hearts and lives and enable us Uh, to be a people who have our tongues controlled, that walk with you and know your blessing and your power in Jesus' precious name. Amen.